Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we hear from Ryder Cup star and five-time European Tour winner, Tommy Fleetwood. Hi, I'm Paul McGinley, and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you in association with Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello, and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark, and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, very good, thanks. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. The sun is shining. The kids are back at school. Hurrah. That means I'm not <laughs> going to get interrupted this week, for sure. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are celebrating that, people who are living in England. Um, and I really enjoyed watching the golf at the weekend. I watched more golf, I think, at the weekend than I've watched in a while. Um, it was really, really entertaining. And it really got my juices flowing for, I really want to go out and hit some golf balls. I can't yet, but I'm really looking forward to being able to. Did you watch much of the golf? Yeah, I watched loads of it. I, uh, Basically, I only ever watch golf these days. My girlfriend is always making remarks about how she turns the telly on and Sky Sports Golf comes on every single time. And um, we've actually got a new TV box with our provider, um, and it tells you what your most popular channels are every time like you, you go to the guide. And yeah, Sky Sports Golf is, <laughs> is the number one channel watched in my household. <laughs> boom, boom. Well, she plays golf as well, doesn't she? Yeah, she's uh, she's starting to enjoy it. I mean, she was um, getting fairly excited at the weekend when I was I was telling her, "Look, come on, Bryson's about to to try and drive the sixth green. This would never have happened before." And uh, Friday night, as I said to you, we even delayed our trip to the kebab van, um, <laughs> and then he never even went for it. So that didn't go down well. But um, yeah, she's getting more interested in it, I guess, because she has to. Yeah, love it, love it. No, it's um, yeah, golf is 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 great, isn't it? It's it's really filling a gap, and even just like seeing those crowds on that sixth tee uh, when Bryson was getting ready to hit driver, it felt a bit more normal, didn't it? It was great to see. We've been watching so much sport where it's just been no atmosphere and no and no yeah no crowds in attendance at all. And we said, oh, you know, oh, actually, did we miss it that much at the PJ Championship? Did we miss it that much at the Masters and stuff like that? Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, we could because you just saw it at the weekend. You know, they were getting very excited. The, the players were, I think, feeling a bit of pressure. The players were playing up to the crowd. I think Brighton definitely played up to the crowd. And, you know, when we saw him celebrating um, when he hit the fairway from the sixth tee, when, you know, right down, right down near the green, it was, it was great, wasn't it? Fantastic pictures to see. Yeah, I loved it on uh, the 18th tee as well, just before Westwood was about to hit his drive. And, Someone just goes, you're the man, Lee. And it's just like, yeah, just brilliant. It really made me laugh. And yeah. I, I love the American fans. I, obviously, they, they get quite intoxicated, but I think that just makes it even better, to be honest. I'm not one that says, oh, well, you've got to respect the golfers, or you've got to be silent. I, I do really enjoy the entertainment of just hearing some of the things they shout and um, the, the, yeah, the atmospheres yeah. that they create. The best one I heard was, feed the big dog. <laughs> when he was when he was walking to the sixth tee, they were trying to get him to hit his driver, of course. Oh, and um, um, even on the seventy-second hole, Bryson had that putt to the wind, didn't he? And he backed off, and all the crowd started booing him. It's brilliant because <laughs> obviously that adds to the the nerves and the tension. And he he went and held it, but he must yeah. have been feeling a lot of pressure there. Yeah, without doubt. I, I think it just shows. Look, we all know the American crowds are quite boisterous. Some people really don't like the American crowds and the shouting out and stuff like that. But it all adds to it. It really does add to it. And um, it was very entertaining. And if you don't want to listen to it, you can put it on mute. That's the thing, don't you? You can put some music on in the background. But uh, I thought it was really, really exciting. And um, yeah, as we say, Bryson held off Lee Westwood to win his eighth PJ Tour title by a single stroke at Bay Hill. The golfing scientist finished at 11 under par for his second title of the season after winning the US Open in September. He's now up to sixth in the world. And the big stories, which we've already spoken about, the weekend where his two monster drives on the sixth hole where he hit it 370 yards on Saturday and 377 yards on Sunday. Uh, Lee Westwood was second. 
And Rory McIlroy dropped to 10th after closing 76 and is now outside the world's top 10. So a lot of stuff happened, a lot to chat about. But we've got to start with Bryce, haven't we? Um, he was the main talking point going into the event because he said, oh, I'm going to try and drive this sixth hole. And if people hadn't seen it, the reason why this is interesting, it from T to green, what is it? It's about 300 and... 80 yards, is it, right? Something like that? No, yeah. no, it's, it's only 350. 350, sorry. It's 350, but it, it, the carry is completely over water. So it's a big like boomerang-shaped par 5, where usually you have to you have to work out how much of the water you're going to try and take off to hit the fairway. So usually people are aiming pretty straight, but they're actually almost, almost 90 degrees to where the green is because it curves around so much because bryson's been hitting it so so far he suddenly worked out you know what i could actually go for the green but i've got to get all of it because if you know there's it's water right up to the edge of the green um so he was we was he was seen practicing the shot wasn't he um in the practice days before beforehand and so that added to the excitement and Although he didn't really go for the green itself, he hit some monster drives and he got so close to the green in two. That's uh, in one, didn't he? Yeah, he only had 68 yards in on Saturday, which was just hilarious. And meanwhile, everybody else has got about 250. But yeah, you're right. He didn't actually go for the green. And um, for the non-Brits listening, I thought Wayne Riley radar in the Sky Studio was very funny, saying, oh, he's going to come up with an excuse. Oh, he'll say the wind's not right or... Um, whatever, but um, I mean, it was good enough. It was good enough for the crowd. The crowd went crazy. Bryson loved it. Uh, but yeah, maybe next year he's actually going to go for the green because um, yeah, having a putt for an albatross would be uh, awesome. I did also see some comments negatively about Bryson and what he's doing for the game and all that. And I do think that if everybody starts doing that, it's going to get a little bit boring and mundane. So yeah, I think it's good that Bryson is, is kind of out there on his own at the moment. And hopefully, I say hopefully, everybody doesn't catch him up, um, which I think is probably right. Because, yeah, you kind of need that one guy, don't you, to, to bring the entertainment. Otherwise, it gets a little bit samey. And that's the thing. He was pure entertainment over this yeah. tournament. And that's the thing. That's what golf needs. It needs. It's entertainment. It's sport at the end of the day. I know they're playing for huge amounts of money. And some of the best players who have ever played the game have actually been quite boring players because they're so consistent. But Bryson is by he's nowhere near boring. He is so exciting to watch. He's pure entertainment. I absolutely loved watching him over the weekend. From the very first round, we were going, is he gonna hit that? You know, he is he gonna try and hit that green? That's all everyone was trying to was talking about. And at the end of the four day event, he's won the tournament. You know, and he didn't just win it with his drives. He won it with some clutch putting, um, especially on Sunday, where he held two monsters for pars, where we thought, oh, this is the chance. This is going to, Westwood's going to go into the lead here on his own. And, and, and he just suddenly go, boom, no, shut the door on him. Um, I thought he was really, really impressive. Played some golf. Did he get a bit of luck here and there? Of course he did. He could have gone out of bounds on that first hole. We, we bogeyed it on Sunday where he could have had a big, really big number. He Nearly, he hit about five yards short of some some water on another hole. You know, it's he rode his luck, but there was huge amounts of skill involved, and it was so entertaining. It's some of the most entertaining golf that I've I can remember ever seeing. Yeah, it was so difficult on that final round as well. I mean, Westwood shot one over and finished second. Um, like we said, there McElroy shot seventy six, uh, and a, a lot of big names as well went backwards. <laughs> Victor Hovland, who I thought was going to win the tournament after two rounds. I think he was like seven under after two rounds or something. Ended up shooting 77, 76 on the weekend or, or something like that. So, yeah, it just goes to show you how difficult that course was on the weekend. Yeah. And as we know, you can't play a difficult course in very strong winds without putting really well. So, he's just the full golfer, isn't he, when he's on? Yeah. Uh, let's let's remember the year before, Tyrrell Hatton, who won the event, was over par for the weekend. You know, Bay Hill suddenly really become... It was, I think Bay Hill was the hardest course on the on the normal tour, I think, last year. Uh, I think some of the stats they, was, they were talking about at the weekend. Uh, Bay Hill, which was never really on my radar, been a very exciting tournament. Suddenly, it's been re I found it really exciting the last two years, but this year in particular. 
And I think they've got the course set up absolutely brilliantly. They've got some runoff areas around the greens, which means it's tough for the tough for the pros if, if they do miss a green. They've also got some some decent rough. You know, if you miss the fairway, it you know you do get penalised. Um, I thought I think just the setup's excellent there. It's really really good and really really entertaining. Um, I know Arnold Palmer's obviously not around with us anymore, but he was a great entertainer, wasn't he? He wanted to go out and entertain people and be aggressive and play enjoyable golf. And I think he would have loved to have seen Bryson um, going to victory on Sunday, wouldn't he? Yeah, play boldly to win is is one of his amazing quotes. One of the many great quotes from Arnold Palmer and uh, Deshambo did just that, didn't he? Yeah, and 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 of course he was reminded. He he revealed after he'd hold the winning putt that Tiger had been in touch with him on Sunday morning, which was great to hear, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, obviously, great to to hear that Tiger's um, watching the golf. Like we we saw how touched he was last week when everybody wore the red shirts, and um, yeah, him and Deshambo are, are good friends. I, I remember watching them at the Open a couple of years ago in a practice round. Their Ryder Cup teammates and seem to have a, a very good bond. So, um, yeah, good to hear from Tiger, and hopefully he'll um, he'll keep watching and keep commenting on the game, um, not just this year but going forward. Yeah, I mean, if anything's going to want to inspire someone to get back into golf, I think it was the golf at the weekend and the craziness of it, but the the just the sheer brilliance of it. And I think Tiger would have really enjoyed seeing um, Bryson perform so well and um, and to take the victory. Um, I thought he was going to win from about the third hole. He just he just was 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 fantastic, wasn't he? But there is one person else I want to talk about, and that is Lee Westwood. At the age of what forty seven, I thought he was very very impressive. He seems to be in a really nice, relaxed state of mind at the moment, really enjoying his golf. Um, I loved it when he celebrated on the sixth tee after he hit his drive and was 160 yards back from Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, and he did his, uh, he did, he copied the celebration from Bryson that Bryson's done on the Saturday. I thought that just shows he's in a really good frame of mind. Um, he's obviously enjoying his golf. He's playing really well, isn't he? Yeah, really good. He's, um, Won some massive Rolex Series events the last few years. Uh, obviously, got his his girlfriend on the bag, had his son on the bag as well. Uh, he's got more experience than anybody, and and to play the way he does at this age, just goes to show you what what an absolute legend he is. I mean, he's won in four different decades. He's going to make his eleventh Ryder Cup team this year, I believe. Um, and he's just yeah, he's a lovely bloke, isn't he? He's somebody that you can get behind. He's a bit of a sort of a national sporting hero for us. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, he he had a bit of a dodgy three part, didn't he, on the fourteenth? I think. But apart from that, he was pretty much perfection. And you, you can't really say he did anything wrong on that final round. Yeah, I mean, let, let's. I mean, Westwood, I thought was brilliant. I thought he was excellent. It's always the six-footers that we worry about with Westwood, isn't it? Everybody knows that. He's had issues with them in the past. I thought he putted very well. He had a lot of them and thinking, oh, God, this is the kind of one that Westwood misses on a Sunday. Boom, hold it. You know, he he looked like his game was in a very good place. And let's just remember what he's actually achieved in the last year or so. So he won Abu Dhabi right at the start of 2020. So, and then actually at the Arnold Palmer, he's fourth at the Honda Classic, missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer last year. And at that time, he was around the top 30 in the world. Um, of course, finished second at the DP World Tour Championship in November, which meant that he won his another European Order of Merit, the Race of Dubai. Was it 20 years after his first one or whatever it was? Yeah. I mean, that is incredible achievement in itself. And then just a few months later, He's, you know, um, he's challenging for a PJ Tour title again with with all these big guns. You know, he's getting, you know, showing that his game is still very, very solid. He's exceptionally good golfer. Now he's back to thirty first in the world, and I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps moving up, especially this year. So, um, really good to see. As you say, I think he's going to his likelihood that he's going to be in the Ryder Cup team again, isn't it now? Yeah, he can still win a major as well. I mean, he's come so close so many times at basically every single venue. So, you know, give him Augusta, he's got a shot there. Give him the Open, he's got a shot there. Any week he turns up, he can win because, 
like I said before, the experience, the ball striking is just phenomenal. His putting has been really, really improved the last few years. Um, and his, his old mate Darren Clark won an Open Championship in his uh, later parts of his career. So, yep, yeah, it, it's definitely not over yet for, for Lee. And let's face it, where's, where's the Open this year? St George's, you know, we're, we're DC one. You know, uh, it would be amazing if Westwood won after him, wouldn't it? And um, obviously, he's in England as well. So um, let's hope that Westwood has a really, really strong year. And let's hope he he continues to perform very well in these big tournaments because he's he's a fantastic player. I don't think there'd be much. I don't think there'd be many more popular winners of a major, especially this side of the Atlantic, than Lee Westwood. I can't think of anyone else, to be honest with you. So, yeah. Really enjoyed the golf at the weekend. I, and then, as we'll find out soon, we're going to talk about the players, which is this this coming weekend, which is going to be, again, more dramatic golf. But before we do that, we're going to hear from Tommy Fleetwood, another great English golfer, who also had a very good weekend. He was 10th at Bay Hill. Uh, he's recently signed with Taker, and through them, we managed to get an in-depth interview with him to find out a bit more about his game, where he gives some fascinating insights on what makes him such a great golfer. So here is Tommy Fleetwood. Hi, Tommy. Lovely to speak to you. Yeah, you too, mate. How's it been the last few months? How's uh, homeschooling? Are you winning? Today, uh, it's, it varies between the two of them. Oscar is less into the homeschooling than Mo is, but they still do it. Mo um, stresses out about it a little bit, but it's we've been fine. Pretty lucky that they're, for the majority of the time, self-sufficient. And then on the other times, they do ask for help. Um, it's not that often, so it's doing all right. What's, so what's harder, the back nine on a Sunday or acting as a teacher then? Um, both challenging. It's, 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 a good, it's a good question. It's a very good question. They are both challenging. <laughs> Lovely. Um, lots has been going on as well, though, despite what's going on in the world. We'll come to um, your new equipment, but... Uh, a big new equip- piece of equipment for you is, is is the Tag Watch. How are you getting along with that? I know it's um, the, the Connected Watch Golf Edition, fantastic piece of kit with some exciting new features. You must be delighted to be on board with the brand. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's, um, I mean, first of all, it's really nice to like be asked to be a part of it. And I, you know, nice to be asked. It's um, a big thing for me, probably personally and in my career, that I get to be like a partner of Tag and you know, the face of something that's happening. So that's been, that's been really, really cool. Um, and, and the watch has been great. Obviously I wear it every day when I'm playing and everything, it stands out. Um, it helped me, it actually helped me a lot when I was testing the equipment at the start of the year um, with TaylorMade because I could go out on the course and it's, you know, very accurate. It's got that feature where I can find out how far the ball's going and everything, um, you know, by walking to it. So it actually, you know, it did make a difference and play a part in that, and um, like you say, talking about new equipment, it played a part in sort of putting new stuff in the bag, really, and seeing how that went. Yeah, yeah. How does how does Finno feel about having um, a watch? Uh, I, I guess he, he would argue you don't need one. <laughs> well, if the watch could talk, he'd talk over the watch anyway. So he's uh, he's gonna he's gonna be fine. His role stays the same. But um, uh, yeah, you know, Finno's Finno's fine. Finno's good. It's um, just cool to have um, a new addition to the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, you turned um, ten thirty this year, correct? Yes. Uh, it you, uh, a nice, quiet celebration at home. It was in Abu Dhabi, so it was the um, Tuesday of Abu Dhabi uh, before sort of getting into the tournament. So the the family were out. I spent the night with them on Monday, and then Tuesday morning I had breakfast with them, and then had to go to work. And that was my um, that was my thirtieth birthday. But it's mm. uh, yeah, you know, growing up. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a, I suppose, a, the last 10 years have, have flown by for you since your, your, your days on the Challenge Tour where you, you know, became the youngest winner there um, of, the, of, the, of the Challenge Tour. And you've obviously achieved so much in that time since. What's some of the highlights been for you? What, do you, what stands out as the most as some of your fondest memories? It's, that's a good question. I think, well, first of all, going back to the Challenge Tour, I had my dad caddying all year. I think that was one of the coolest things um, still that I look back on like I um, you know won, won in Kazakhstan with my dad on the bag uh, 
that last event winning the rankings with my dad on the bag so that was that was like a really cool year and something that you you know never get back and um you don't really get to do again so that was great i think yeah of course winning is um winning is amazing and they're always going to be the highlights but i think as sort of i've matured through the years i think um keeping my card that first year i think the first Abu Dhabi win when i kind of felt like i'd returned really from like a massive slump i think was a massive massive highlight it's you know one of the hardest things that's gotta be in the top two or three that for me just the sheer feeling of feeling like i was back to somewhere where i wanted to be ride a cup special you know i played my first open which is at hoy lake um so close to home like you know there's there's you, you sort of don't realize as you are like progressing like through the years all these little moments and you look back and you think oh yeah that was a highlight that was amazing that was great um and you're right 10 years flies it really really does yeah yeah what would uh, represent a successful next 10 years on the tour for you well um we'll see i feel like the next 10 years are going to be um you know, hope you know. Hopefully, my biggest ten years really, um, and we'll see how that goes. I feel like I've got, yeah, I feel like I've got majors in me. Hopefully, many more Ryder Cups because I, you know, that's such a special event. Um, and yeah, hopefully, I get the bulk of my um, like dreams and ambitions done over the next ten years, and we'll see where it goes. But I'm obviously in a, you know, a very good spot in my life now. Like I've, um, you know, Frankie's three and a half. Like I've, you know, I'm married i'm sort of settled in so many ways off the course and um like i've got 10 11 years of experience under my belt so hopefully these are coming into my peak years where i do actually achieve the things that i have dreamed of and i kind of expect to myself but again i always say you never know what's going to happen so we'll just take it as it comes yeah you mentioned now you're, you're settled off the course what where's home for me i know you're in the northwest where's where's home for you when you're sort of traveling you know on the other side of the on the pond uh in america yeah. we we don't um well we don't we don't have a place over here yet at the moment we're renting in orlando because i've been a member of Isleworth for three years now so that's like um so this is this is like a great base to just practice on um weeks off i think definitely the last two years so with covid and everything and travel restrictions and not quite and lockdowns it makes it harder to travel back and forth basically so in previous years i could play for three weeks two weeks four weeks and just travel home for a couple of weeks and then come back and it was um yeah like the long the longest flights but the travel's still pretty easy i've you know i've never had a problem with it i think now things are a little bit different so it's nice if i've got a week off i can sort of come and camp out here and work on my game and practice and um the family will sporadically be out really the more time i can get with them the better um but that's kind of one of the things that with school and things and now things go it's one of them things that you um you just deal with as as it as it comes really but uh yeah orlando for now and start traveling again in a bit i suppose one of the big goals for you is is to win in america as well there's not many things missing on your cv obviously i know you've talked about majors lots lots in the past but it obviously made a big deal for you to to win in america as well yeah of course it would i I want to be one of them golfers that um, has won sort of all over the world. And I've been really, really consistent over both tours. I think it's, it is difficult. And, you know, only the the best players manage to play both tours successfully, really. And it is very difficult. So the consistency levels that I've had over the last few years have been great. But of course, winning is winning. And I've had plenty of close calls so far and hopefully that'll just you know that will be a i'd have loved the natural progression to be a winner in america to have been sooner but it's not happened yet and you and you go from now and like i'm i'm sure it will come like i'm doing a lot of good things i feel like my game last year where it's you know faltered a little bit i feel like my game's coming back and i'm practicing well so um hopefully it'll happen sooner rather than later um but like i say you know i've been very very consistent um, and hopefully it's just a natural progression where I do win America and win a major or majors and continue to grow. What, what, what is the, the, the key then to that consistency? Because you've always struck me as someone who you turn up for any tournament, you're talked about as a potential winner and 
what is it that what is the key to your consistency? I think I've I think I've always had a good level of awareness of where my game's at and what things to work on, what things to practice. I think um, I am a bit fussy with my preparation. So in generally, in general, I feel like I prepare really well, whether I'm playing well or not, and I have a good scope on what the golf course requires and and shots and feel ready. And um, I guess I guess mindset. I've always been a very patient person. Not that that happens all the time. I like anybody. I have my frustrations when things aren't going my way or when I feel like I could be doing better. But I think just um, I always want to get the best out of every day. And whether that means making the cut on the mark or, you know, being up there in the lead or whatever it means, I feel like I, I do a good job of keeping that in mind. And yeah, I've had a few years of like really consistent golf. And I think consistency, somebody wants, I can't remember who said it, but consistency comes before, um, I actually can't remember the word he was yet, but like, you know, the highest levels of performance and winning and stuff like that. So um, I feel like if I can keep that baseline of my consistent golf and, and keep playing like that and keep pushing, then, uh, you know, the extra stuff will come. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think, you know, I've never been a guy, I don't think I ever will be one that wins and then misses three cuts and then wins. I don't really have that ebb and flow really in um my life or my game. So I feel like consistency is more my thing, hopefully. Uh, it's obviously a Ryder Cup year now. What's the first thing that comes into your mind when I, when I mention the words Ryder Cup? I, I think the first thing in my mind is Paris. It's my one Ryder Cup that I've played. and A particular moment, a particular match from there in Paris? I, 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 think, the, I think the moment we won um, is the first thing that comes in. It's a very, very special feeling. Like I remember being on the I was in between the 15th green and the 16th tee and it was either we knew we'd retained it because of something happening at the back but Fran obviously was about to whip you know Phil was going to hit it in the water and Fran and shake Fran's hand and that was the winning moment so and there was a spell of like two or three minutes where we'd retained it and then won it and all of that was very very special I feel lucky that I had my personal Ryder Cup moments, which I think everybody wants to have something that they've, you know, that they've done and has something memorable in the Ryder Cup or whether it's hold a putt, whether it's a great shot, whether it's won a match. Um, so, yeah, just that whole week couldn't have gone any better, really. Like, you know, I had my fair share of moments. I had that memorable pairing with Fran, um, a little bit of history there. We won. Um, it was in a, it was in front of a home crowd. It was... Um, as Radicals go, it was a very, very good one. Yeah. I mean, you must be tromping at the bit to get going again, but how, how strange would it be without, without fans there if that was the way it was to go? Yeah, I, you know, I still just, I don't, if, you know, I had, if people asked for my opinion, I would say I don't really see a Radical without fans. I don't agree with it. Um, I understand that, you you know, you have to play it, everybody will watch it on TV and it, it'll be great, but I, I think, the fans play such a big part in it. And I think as players that that live for and dream about Ryder Cup and we go back to Ryder Cup moments and um, you think of that winning moment when we won the Ryder Cup or um, when I hold my pot on 16 and on the Friday, which was just an amazing moment for, for us and me personally. Without fans, that's not even close to being the same. And I just think from a player's perspective, I think fans... You know, I, I, they do play such a big part in sport. Of course they do. Um, and I think they should be there. But again, you know, the world is not in that place right now. And no. hopefully we can get back there sooner rather than later. We're talk, talking about the, the Ryder Cup. I know tags, uh, we'll talk, talk about tagging. I know their, their motto is don't crack under pressure. So what is it that you do so well? Because you're very much a man who performs sort of at the right time on, on the back nine on a, on a Sunday. How do you keep yourself... From, um, from cracking under pressure and wilting um, under pressure? I, th I think it comes from preparation. I think um, I, I, I've always been somebody that wants to go into their moments and not I've failed in their moments and I've, you know, I've succeeded in those moments of pressure. But I think I've always been someone that wants to go in as prepared as possible, knowing I've got um, so many boxes, ticks, know that I've got the skills physically and mentally to cope with whatever situation there is. Um, and yeah, that 
that to me, you know, people going about clutch moments and everything, but really they come from the work behind the scenes, everything, you know, leaving no stone unturned and knowing when you walk into those situations, you're ready for it and, um, and you can accept the outcome, you know, you've prepared well and you, and you're ready and you, you know, that's, it's your time to, it's your time to perform then. Do you feel more pressure to perform now than you did five, six, seven years ago, now that you're sort of a bigger name, you are a bigger name? Uh, I, th- I think, yeah, I think with, um, with that comes a bit more pressure. You're obviously a bit more in the spotlight. I think both internally as well, your expectations go up. I think when I was struggling with my game and I started getting it back, obviously if I had a bad week, if I shot two nineties, nobody would particularly be that interested in it. Um, so yeah, I think with more success comes a bit more pressure, yeah, to, to perform, but also you always have to remember that that is something that you want. That's something that you work for and something that you crave. And I would way rather be in that situation where there's more eyes on you and more pressure to perform than there is nobody interested and whatever you do doesn't matter. So that's, um, you know, that's what we strive for. And you always have to remember that. Are you all settled into the, the, the new equipment now? I know for so long you were a free agent, um, but I suppose... Ten years ago, um, you probably wouldn't have thought about, you know, being a, a, an ambassador for for not just Tag but for for TaylorMade as well, alongside Tiger Woods. How excited were you to join the, the TaylorMade family? It's been it's been great, and yeah, since Nike since Nike stopped making clubs, I, I made the conscious decision to either my game was coming back at the time, so I said I'm going to keep that equipment in while I'm getting better and working towards, you know, getting back to where I want to be. Then TaylorMade were actually the first clubs that I tried and, and went and went to when I started fiddling with things. And yeah, I've been, it's been nice having that freedom, but I definitely have realized since, um, since I've been part of the TaylorMade family and since, you know, the guys at Tag have, have been behind me and backing me as well, actually having people supporting you and behind you and, and, working with you on things is is really really nice and really really cool and everybody's in it together and you get so much more help and benefits from those guys pushing behind the scenes as well and helping you in every way that um it's been great for me and um it's been like a breath of fresh air really this year to have those guys behind me yeah and you've got you know you've got a big team around you as well so i'm interested with with the watch with with the likes of um graham walker and your fitness coach uh, and all those kind of people around you, Alan Thompson, um, are they tapping into using that the, the watch as well and getting some of the data off that? Well, I, th- I think what the what the watch does is it it's it doesn't like the coaches. Their job stays the same, but the watch can whether it's me or whether it's my dad or whether it's my kids. It's gonna tell you know it shows people. You never know. There might be just something that you can get better on, or something that you miss in, or something that just flags up by playing. A number of rounds of golf um, and you know typing in your scores or typing in your drives and your tee shots which I think is a great feature and um, it's just going to help you s- tackle specific areas I think and um, like I said the coach's job doesn't change like they you know coach me in the way that they that they do and I can guide them in that way but you never know you might um, you know that might be something that just flags up and that's you know something that you can't um like can't put more importance on really yeah yeah if i could just ask one final question about this it's just about this this year's majors Thomas. do you think there's one specific major which will suit your game this year one particular course or you i wonder what you know knew about rural st george's um, i've never played st george's at all obviously every time the oh. open comes around i think from where I grew up, I actually didn't grow up on a Lynx course. I grew up on Formby Hall, but I'm from that town and I've played so much of that golf. I, I, know, I know well, I live in Formby myself, so I'm trying to get the little lad into to go and see Norman. So, uh, please, do. please do, we'd love to have him. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the Open is always the one that probably brings the most joy to me and the most juices flowing because it's like the one tournament I could choose to win and feel very comfortable on like Lynx on Lynx courses in those conditions. So I'm not saying that's my best chance. That's definitely the one I choose, but um, I always feel like when majors come around, I feel like I prepare well and it brings the best out of me. And hopefully, you know, I'm not going to be too picky on which one comes if it's going to be this year. 
So there you go. That was Tommy Fleetwood, another one of England's great hopes for a golf major this year. And he obviously thinks that he's got a chance as well. Listen to him there. And you can read the full interview in our next issue, which comes out on the 1st of April, which also features our brand new UK and Ireland top 100 golf course rankings. So one of the best issues of Golf Monthly to buy. So do check it out when it hits the shelves in very early April. Looking forward now to this week, we've got the Players' Championship, which is one of my favourite events of the year. I won't I won't deny that. And there's one real reason for that. Why is the, why is the Players... Ever, well, I love the Players, but why is that? Can you work it out, Elliot? Um, because of the golf course? Yes, yes. But why? Why in particular? What about the golf course? Where it's appeared? Uh, you're losing me, Tom. Oh, okay, we're useless. But well, when I was, uh, are you going to talk about the video games? Yes, yes. When I was oh, a young, right. when I was a youngster, when I had a, my first PlayStation, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, Tiger Woods Golf was the game to play. I used to play it all the time. You couldn't play Augusta because Augusta wasn't on on uh, Tiger Woods Golf, but you could play Sawgrass, and Sawgrass is such good fun. Um, especially those closing three holes where there's water damage to be had or birdies and eagles. We've seen people finish double, 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 but we've also seen people finish eagle, birdie, birdie, haven't we? So um, absolutely love Sawgrass and love the event. And of course, it's also a year ago since golf was put on hold. after round one of the players, who was leading after round one last year? It was Hideki Matsuyama who equaled the course record of 63, I believe. Yeah, exactly. So Hideki shot 63 that Thursday night. Rory was defending champion. Everyone was enjoying it, but the world was about to change, wasn't it? Uh, I was at Centre Parks as well. I don't know if you remember that. In, in my own little bubble, away from the world, not really knowing what was going on, every now looking at my phone going, what? What's going on? The players is cancelled. What? Augusta's cancelled. What? Didn't know what was going on. So it's all a bit crazy. Um, but it's a year ago, and it's great that we are back at Sawgrass this year, and we hope to see some great entertainment, because it is brilliant. It's, the, of course, the unofficial fifth major, as it's known. And a very impressive 48 of the world's top 50 players are in the field this week. Kepka and Wolf are missing. Justin Rose is also missing as well. Many of these reasons because of, of injuries. Rose, of course, having to withdraw from uh, Bay Hill during the tournament last week. Um, what's one of your favourite moments of the players, Elliot, from the, from, um, from the past events? Well, 20 years ago, Tiger Woods, better than most. That part on the 17th hole was brilliant. i got good memories of Sergio winning there as well. Um, Stenson won as well. I thought McElroy winning last time out was fantastic. Um, yeah, so many memories, but none really, none like weird ones that, that come to mind. What about you? Stenson, I always remember Stenson winning because he was so relaxed in that final round. Can you remember how he teed it up? He wasn't using a tee. He just got Lucky's wedge and just duffed the ground and the teeing area and then just put his put his ball and hit hit it with his three wood. Can you remember that? No. He was so relaxed, it was ridiculous. I'm not, he's that's when he was absolutely on fire. His ball striking was incredible. Um also, can you remember Ricky Fowler winning there? Yeah, yeah, that what was he, a very impressive final day, wasn't it? Yeah, so he had to did he birdie seventeen twice or something did you win it in the playoff on the on the I think he birdied it three times three times amazing performance from for Ricky and it's you know I, I hope Ricky's obviously ha- is having struggles with his game at the moment he, I was, it was good to see that he managed to, to scramble and make the cut uh last week but he's he's someone who well I think it's great to have him playing well so he's obviously not playing well at the moment but maybe uh sawgrass can inspire him this week it could also chew him up and spit him out it's such a tough course so um yeah i think sawgrass is is brilliant i love it it's one of those places where it's great to go and see i know all we'll see for the next week is the island green (laughs) that's all they do on the sky isn't it they just seem to go round and round and round uh yeah just going on and on and on about it but um I think the rest of the course is also fantastic as well. 
so before we talk about who we tip, who want to tip, I saw a little article earlier about something else that Bryson could do differently on Sawgrass, which we haven't seen before. So much like we've never seen anyone trying to drive the sixth at Bay Hill, I saw that Bryson might be trying to play the 18th at Sawgrass differently and try and hit it left onto the ninth fairway because he'll have a better angling and there's less danger over there. Do you think, do you think he's going to do that? No, I have to say this is a ridiculous story. Um, I would give you odds of 200 to 1 that he tries that. Why do you think that? Well, they were saying there's a bunker over there, there's trees. He's playing down the wrong hole, which is a very wrong thing to do, I think, on professional golf. And apparently it would leave him like 175 yards in anyway. And, and if he gets it wrong, he's going to be in the rough with a blind shot when he, he's already said he can just hit a four iron down the fairway and then an eight or nine iron onto the green. So, um, no, I don't think there's any chance of this happening this week. Ah, but it's, it's nice to talk about. That's the thing. Which, which it is, when, we, when it's Bryson, it does feel like you're all, almost playing in a computer game where you've <laughs> yeah. got like these cheats or you've worked out a, like a like a, a secret way of, of doing something where you go, oh, I'm not actually going to aim over there. I'm going to go and aim somewhere else. And because It's, it's like, game, um, like Mario Kart where there's always like a little shortcut on the track that only exactly. the, the experts know. Exactly, exactly. I, I, it's, and it's, again, it's just the entertainment factor of Bryson, isn't it? That you can actually start talking about this stuff. Um, he probably, but I, I think I think you're right. I don't think he's going to do that at all. But because it's, yeah, if you play 18, you can play 18 reasonably straightforward. It's all about, it's all about your tee shot, really. If you get your tee shot in play, then you're in play. And as you say, as he hits his irons so far, he can get it up there with his irons anyway. So, um, but it's again, it's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. So, so who do you think is going to do well this week? Uh, well, I have already written the betting tips article for the website, which will be going up live today, Tuesday afternoon. Um, a couple of those will be Tommy Fleetwood. Obviously, we've had him on the podcast today. The top 10 last week. Uh, I think he was tied fifth here in 2019 and never won on US soil, but has come close a lot of times. And I don't really feel like we've seen the best of him for a while. So he's probably due a big week. And obviously we know how, how good he is at getting the job done. So hopefully he can get over the line. And also I really like the look of Jason Day, one in 2016. Actually, Tom, that is one of my best memories of TP Sawgrass in 2016, the third round when they basically lost the greens and Jason Day was world number one. Ken Duke shot 65, which was about seven shots better than the uh, the field average. And Day was absolutely brilliant that week. And I love Jason Day. I think he's in pretty good form at the moment, actually. So, yeah, I would like to see Day, Fleetwood or two others win this week, which um, will be revealed on the website later. Well, uh, I like the, the tension building up here. Um <laughs> It's perfect. Um, now, you've actually just reminded me of something else as well, which I, I was just checking, and it's a bit annoying. I don't think he's playing. But Eddie, do you remember Eddie Pepperell played really well at Sawgrass two years ago? Yeah, it was um, Qatar Masters week when he was defending champion. Yeah, and he so he, he played and he said how, how much he thought he suited his eye. And that just, you, you talk about Fleetwood just then, reminded me that Pepperell was also up there, but he's not playing, so... That's that's frustrating. But I think yeah, do you remember um, Jonathan Vegas hold like a hundred foot part on the seventeenth as well, or something? And that, that that was who I was going to mention. That's my next oh. person because Johnny Vegas was second in Puerto Rico two weeks ago, two Sundays ago when I had money on him. I've I've done very well at, at choosing people who finished second. Uh, <laughs> not last week. I had Speed, so he was fourth. Or third, I think it was, or whatever it was. So um, still solid. But um, Vegas, streaky player, uh, but ha- did play very well there t- a couple of years ago where he finished third. So um, he's someone, he's 200 to 1. You know, if you're looking for an outside bet, he was second in a PGA tournament two weeks ago, and he's playing at a place where the last time he played, he finished third. So if you're looking for an each way bet, I think that's someone, you know, that's probably going to be one up there. But you know, you haven't mentioned Rory. You've got to mention Rory, haven't we? Yeah, defending champion, essentially. Yeah, defending. Yeah, well, he's defending champion. Um, he's defending champion. He's sixteen to one, and he's playing very good golf. I know. He, 
you in particular are not happy with his round four performances. Um, well, no, it's, it's the entire thing. I was chatting to a colleague last week and uh, they were hyping Rory up like anything, as you would imagine, in round one. And I, I just said, do they not realise that any time McElroy hits the front, he goes backwards? And he went and shot 71, 72, 76 the next three rounds. So um, I don't know what it is, but whenever he's up there, he just he just doesn't have that extra gear to carry on. He just seems to go backwards. Obviously, we know how great he is. He's going to go down as the best player of his generation or the second best behind Dustin Johnson. So hopefully he can refine that form. Yeah, but it, I, I get what you're saying. But let's look at his... He's still playing so solid. I mean, he's, he missed the cut at the Genesis a few weeks ago, which is his first cut missed cut since the 2018 Open. 2019 Open. 2019 Open, sorry. And um, But then he's gone sixth at the WGC and tenth at the Arnold Palmer. And the results before that were 13th, 16th, 3rd, 5th, 17th, 21st, 8th, 7th. You know, he's, he's just relentless, isn't he? You know, he I know he doesn't quite get over the line, but um, he's been playing very good golf. And I think he just the course does suit him. Um, he's obviously won there before. I think I think he's going to do well this week. And that's 16 to 1. I think that's quite good odds for Rory McIlroy. Yeah, that's that's a lot higher than he usually is, and yeah. especially after back-to-back top tens. Yeah, and Bryson similar, fourteen to one. To, I think you can get him looking at it sixteen to one as well for Bryson, which I think is quite long. I don't know whether maybe he's whether he can put two wins back to back, especially two big tournaments like this back to back. We'll wait and see. But um, he's done it before. I remember the maybe the twenty eighteen playoffs. He won back to back. So yeah, he. I mean, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, so many good players in it. Hovland, you've mentioned earlier today, and you know, he's in, been one of the most consistent players in recent weeks. So's Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth. You know, they're all around that twenty-five to thirty to one mark, and all been playing very good golf. So yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for it to start now. Now I've looked at the field. I mean, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Very, very exciting. So do check out Elliot's betting tips when you get the chance. Uh, either go to the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, or, of course, follow our social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, and you'll get served the links, or just search for Golf Betting Tips and click on our, our tips. Yeah, and another plug as well. Um, if you just want to Google Golf Monthly visits TPC Sawgrass, I'd really recommend reading that. It was... Um, a big feature from when the team went and visited uh, back in 2018 and uh, the story of the, the club is absolutely fascinating um being bought for just a dollar um and the story of yeah how it came to light with pete dye and um alice dye and um yeah the, the clubhouse is absolutely incredible as well so a, a real bucket list destination that's got a, a fascinating story behind it yeah and you'll see a lot of neil tapping in action <laughs> and what did he do? Did he birdie 18? Is that right? Yeah, he dunked it in the water on 17. I know that. Yeah. Dunked it on 17 and birdied 18, which we're probably going to see quite a lot of that happen at the weekend. So uh, do check it out. That's a good plug, actually. That's uh, one of my favourite videos. You'll also see how brown the course is without, without any stands. It looks amazing, doesn't it? So um, no, do check it out. Um, very good point. We do have another event happening this weekend as well as the European Tour back with the Qatar Masters. The final again. It was the final event played last year before the four-month break because of COVID. Jorge Campillo won the title after beating David Drysdale in a playoff. Uh, Belgians Thomas Peters and Thomas Detry are tournament favourites this week. Uh, with 2018 winner Eddie Pepperell, of course, who I've already mentioned, uh, also playing. Who do we quickly think are people to look out for this week in Qatar? Uh, well, a European Tour favourite of mine is Kurt Kitayama. Won twice in, uh, I want to say 2018 or 2019. He won in Mauritius and maybe Oman. So, uh, yeah, I really like Kitayama and um, proven to be a good player in the Middle East. Yeah, I think there's a, there's quite a few strong people in the field. Addy Sullivan, I think, is 25 to 1, maybe a little bit long. But also Justin Harding, 45 to 1, a very good player. Um, surprised to see him quite that that long and what yeah, about winner in 2019 as well Harding. yeah absolutely but what about here's someone 66 to 1 jazz janawatanod who played very well last week didn't he 
Jazz what? <laughs> come on, come on. Okay, well, how do you how do you pronounce his surname? Jazz Jane Watanamun. Oh, you get it. Anyway, look, he finished fifty seventh in the Arnold Palmer last week, but that included. Let me just get this right. Included shooting a sixty nine. On Saturday, l- l- listen to how he played at the week uh, at the last week. I'm not sure if you're aware of what happened. No, he I thought t- he was like top five at one point. Exactly, exactly. Now, listen, this is this is what I'm bringing up. Listen, so he shot 75 on Thursday, 65 on Friday, 69 on Saturday, and at this point he was top ten. He's in a really good place, and he shot 84 on Sunday. <laughs> So usually we go pick someone who's had a really good last round um, because they're usually in really positive form. I've gone completely full circle on that because I just think he's a really good player. Bottom line, he's a good player. He's had to fly over from Florida. He's in Qatar. There's so many things betting against him, but I just think he's a such a good player, 66 to 1. There you go. That's my outside spot. What do you think about that? Yeah, brilliant. I love Jazz. He's um, a very, very strong winner over in Asia, and he's still very young. Uh, went very well at the PGA Championship. Maybe when it was at best page when Kepka won. Um, but yeah, I can't believe that he, he's so far down the leaderboard. So I remember seeing him pop up, and I was like, wow, Jazz is in the top five or something. But, um, yeah, brilliant player, and I, I do quite like that. Yeah, so there you go. But um, there'll be uh, full betting tips again on the Golf Humphrey website, golfhumphrey.com. If you want to check them out, they'll be live today as well. So um load of great golf to be had this weekend. Again, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, Elliot, thanks again for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Good chatting. No worries. One more week closer to golf returning. It won't be long now. So uh, stay with it. Stick with it. Stay positive. All that, all that rubbish. So... Um, <laughs> Everyone else, you stay positive as well. Enjoy the golf this weekend and we'll talk to you again next week.